you have your Bibles, open them up to Ezekiel 37. <clears throat> We're going to back up a little bit to chapter 36, but our text is Ezekiel 37. Good morning. Welcome. I know Roger is, Pastor Rogers welcomed you. I want to welcome you as well. Looking forward uh, to being with you guys this morning. Um, we are in a new sermon series that we kicked off last week. Brett kicked us off. A uh, sermon series called Graves into Gardens. Um, you've probably heard us or been a part of singing that song with us over the last year. That song started around this time last year, right as we were entering into a pandemic. Uh, that song was written, um, and it kind of was fitting, um, if you think about it, for the experience that we've had over the last year. <clears throat> and I know that for some of us, this last year has been extremely hard. For some, it's been long days and long nights, some hurts and tears, some fears and frustrations. Um, and so that statement, God turns graves into gardens, is powerful. And our hope is that as we look in the Bible, how God loves to take hard situations and turn them for his, his glory and for our good, that, that will, this will be a blessing for you as we look at this. Um, and right now, maybe you are walking through a tough situation, and to hear the words that God's going to work it out, He's going to turn graves into gardens, might be kind of hard. Might be a hard thing to hear. Um, and that's okay, too, because this is a future hope in this truth as well. And last week, Brett, Pastor Brett did a great job of kicking us off uh, as we looked at Jesus as the only one who can make a way for us, because it's because of what he's done and only what he's done that we can experience salvation and he rescues us from the enemy and as we saw last week literally turns seas into highways if you have your bible to ezekiel 37 uh, though if you don't have your bible the words are going to be on your screen in just a moment but i want to back up to ezekiel 36 for just a second to give us some context and as you're doing that let me share a little bit about what's going on in this book of ezekiel ezekiel is probably one of those books that some people will read and go what was this dude on right like he had some really good stuff because he sees rainbows and wills in the sky and like all these different things that Ezekiel experiences in his visions and his prophecies. But it's also a powerful book of showing us what new life is going to look like. And Ezekiel is speaking to a, a people who have been broken, who have been pulled apart. They have been scattered, um, a people who are in captivity because of their own foolishness. God has warned them that if they, he warned them, if you continue to worship idols, this is what's going to happen to you. And they continued in their sin and in their disobedience. And therefore now they're scattered far from their home and they're living as slaves. And sometimes I'm guilty of reading about these Old Testament people and going, I would never be like them. Um, but if I'm honest with myself, I'm just as foolish. And I don't like using that word to describe myself. That's a strong word, foolish. Um, but we are probably just as sometimes as foolish as they can be. We know sometimes what's right. We know what we're called to do, what we're called to believe, and yet we continue to press on. We're probably more foolish than we want to admit. But here's what I love. God is, comes to Ezekiel and says, in spite of your foolishness, I'm going to intervene. And God says he's now going to bring his people home. And he's going to cleanse them from their wicked sins. 
And he gives us what I think is some of the most beautiful verses in the Old Testament. In, ver- in chapter 36, verse 26, he says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Verse 28, you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. This is is unheard of at this time for the Old Testament. A new heart and a new spirit? And that God was going to put his spirit inside of them? This was something that was a new concept in the Old Testament at this time. That God himself would put his spirit inside of the people. Like this is something that Ezekiel probably is wondering, like how is this going to happen? How are you going to take our stony hearts and give us a new heart? This is something that was, that's been promised throughout the Old Testament, but now the addition of the Spirit upon it? Like, how is this possible? Well, Ezekiel's getting ready, getting ready to see that immeasurably more is going to happen. Something bigger, something immeasurably more, something that only God can and could do. See, Ezekiel gets to look to the distant future when Jesus, the Messiah, would come and claim his people. So with that context, with this is the promise that's coming, look at verse 1 of chapter 37. This is what we just heard in our song. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Now, I want you to imagine the scene. I know it's Sunday morning, and our imagination may not be going full speed yet. But maybe if you have to even close your eyes, I want you to get this image of the sun-bleached bones all across this valley floor. Long ago, dead corpses eaten by vultures and other animals. And I don't know, like, Ezekiel's walking among them, and there's all these bones just scattered all over the, the floor. And I, I, you know, like, what was that like? I mean, even if he's not careful, he's probably, like, before he realized where he was, there's like a crunch. You know, like dry bones, those would have a, they would be brittle and there would be a crunch about them. And I doubt that he, but maybe he's looking around and he's like, I don't know, the thigh bone connects to the hip bone, the hip bone connects to the, I don't even know how that goes. And I looked it up, like I, I, I don't remember, I was not paying attention in would that be health class? Then pay attention. But I, I didn't realize this when I looked the song up to try to get a little bit of it. There's this whole line, them bone, them bones, hear the word of the Lord. Then we never sung that in school, but apparently this song is based off of this. I don't know. He probably, I don't know, did he, did he grab a skull off the ground? Alas, poor, pure Yurik, I knew you, Horatio. Like, I, I doubt that that even happened because you get this picture of Ezekiel walking around these, de- these dead, dry bones. And he, as, a, as a priest, just even being in their presence would have made him unclean. It's kind of like, for those of you Lion King fans, you get the picture of Simba walking in the, the valley of the, of the shadow of the elephants, the graveyard. But it, 
was a depressing, depressing scene before him in this valley. Just everywhere he looked, hopelessness, despair, death. Like, I, I don't know when you look around your world what you see. Right now, I think a lot of people would say, I see a lot of despair and failure, destruction, hopelessness. This is, at this, in the context, is a picture of the people of Israel. And they've been broken, destroyed. This is, this is, this would have been hard for Ezekiel. This is what the nation of Israel is now. Because God, and God warned them this could happen. Like, he, he told them, literally, this is what would happen. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 25, he says, The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will march out them from one direction, but you will flee in seven directions. You will be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Here it is. Your corpses will be food for all the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the earth with no one to scare them away. This is the ultimate humiliation for a Jewish person. For their bodies just to be left like this. That's why when King Saul uh, was, was killed, they went to such great lengths to rescue his body so that there wouldn't be this kind of result on, on his legacy. Look at verse 3 of chapter 37. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. Our sovereign Lord, only you know. How many know this, that when God asks a question, he already knows the answer, amen? Like he knew the answer, but he's trying to get Ezekiel to think about what's before him. And Ezekiel is very smart in the way he answers. He says, sovereign Lord or Lord God, only you know. I don't think he's going, God, I don't know. You, do you know? I don't know. Do you know? I think he's going, Lord, it's, it's in your hands. And this, what, this looks impossible. These aren't just recently dead bodies. <laughs> this isn't what he had heard about with Elijah and Elisha. These are bones. There's nothing even connecting them. This is this is. What only God can do, because Luke one thirty seven says that nothing is impossible with God. This is a reminder. Like if God, if only God can do this, only the God who can take down a giant with a with a slingshot from a little boy, only God who can bring down giant walls with just the shouts and the blowing of horns, only a God who can send some young men into a fire and bring them out without a hair on their arm being singed or the smell of smoke on their clothes. This would be something that Ezekiel, had pro- he believed this, like many of us believed it, but maybe there might have been some doubts. I don't know about you, but I would. He, this is a familiar truth, that nothing is impossible with God. We generally believe it. I know that God can do great things, but specifically, we might say, I don't know if I believe God can do anything with some of the situations that I'm currently in. And this is a reminder to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep believing in his promises. The story continues in verse 4. He said to me, prophesy 
to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you know that I am the Lord. He says, prophesy to them, speak to them, give them the word of God, give them truth, tell them the impossible, a promise to these bones, you will be made alive again, you will receive the breath of God, and you will rise up. So verse 7, he does what maybe I might have been like, God, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if this is worth my time. I, I'm looking at a valley of dry bones just scattered pieces of bones, just everywhere, hopelessness. God, I don't know. But look, in verse 7, he says, So I prophesied as I had been commanded. He obeys. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. (laughs) That's what dry bones would do, right? They would rattle around. As the bones came together, bone to bone, This rattling noise begins to fill and echo throughout this valley. And as I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them. He obeys. If I had been Ezekiel, I probably would have been like freaking out at this moment, right? Like bones are moving around on their own. All of a sudden, muscles and tendons and now flesh like is out there before me. I would have like, this is something out of a horror movie. This is crazy. But look at the end of verse 8. But there was no breath in them. They stand before him now, lifeless corpses. Put together, yeah. No longer bones, but no life either. No breath. Still dead. Because it's possible to look alive and still be dead on the inside. I don't know if you've experienced this, but people go to church all the time. They're a part of events, and they go to studies. They look on the outside like they have new life, like they're a follower of Christ, but they're completely dead. It's as if a a man has a rose bush that's dying But instead of dealing with the death, he goes to the floral shop and buys a couple dozen roses and snips the rosebuds off and staples them to the dying bush. It'll look alive for a little while, but in a couple days you're going to have to go back and do it all over again. And that's too often what a lot of people are like. Like They were busy stapling these rosebuds of of works and doing all these things and going through the motions, but on the inside we know that it feels dry and dead. Too often we're like this army even. Those of us who are followers of Christ, lifelike but not alive. Because this is a message about new life for an individual who's never really followed Christ. But this is also a message for new life for those of us who are followers of Christ and we feel a little dry. This is a message for churches who might be struggling right now, who might be feeling like, man, I feel disconnected. I need a breath of fresh air. See what the Lord's going to do. It's what only he can do. Look at verse 9. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. 
Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breathe. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded to me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. So catch this. Here's what Ezekiel does. He says, give, God says, give them the word of God. Speak to them. Speak to the spirit of God. That word that's breath in our English Bible is the same word ruah that's in Genesis chapter 2 when God breathes breath into Adam. That ruah is also the same word for spirit. Breath Spirit, wind. These were always used to describe the Spirit of God. In John chapter 3, we're told that when Jesus is with Nicodemus, he uses a similar, similar word called pneuma. It's a Greek word where we get our word pneumatic. Air, pneuma, and ruah. These words breath is spirit. He says, give them, speak. They, they don't need just breath. For life, they need the Spirit of God to give them breath, the Ruah of God, the life-giving, creation-bringing power, enduring breath of the living God. Though dead, now by God's Spirit, <sighs> life. And this is what happens at salvation. Though dead in our sins, God gives us breath. Because where the Spirit of God is present, God's people are enabled to live. You see, because of the spirits of God inside of us, we're alive. I don't know about you, it's not just the two cups of coffee that I had this morning to, in preparation for my day, but the reason that I am the way that I am is because the Spirit of God has given me life. He's breathed His breath in me. I once was dead. My heart was dark. Now I've been changed by the Spirit. See, this is our first lesson from the valley of dry bones. The Spirit gives us new life in salvation. How does life come from death? Only by the Word of God. Through the Holy Spirit bringing life to our dead hearts. Only God can do this. You may be here this morning and you are like a bunch of dead bones. You feel broken and dry because you've never experienced new life. You may even say, like, I'm such a sinner. There's nothing that, there, I don't stand a chance. Let me tell you, if God can raise a valley of dry bones, he can save you. If God can take his son three days in the tomb and rise, raise him from the grave, he can save you. You need new life. There's a, three other lessons, though, that I want us to see from this valley of dry bones. The second one is we need a new perspective in the valley. You see, Ezekiel has a perspective of a broken country, a broken people. And so God takes him to the valley 
not the mountaintop, to give him a perspective. And living in the valley can be so hard, and doubt is normal. Please, please hear me. If you're walking through that time and you have doubts, we're not telling you that that's not normal. That is not nor- we're not telling you that struggles aren't normal. In fact, that's the common thing. But about but what has to happen is our perspective has to be changed, lifted from the valley to look up. We have to move beyond the doubt. The last year has been so hard on so many people. And I'm not only just talking about those who have physically dealt with the effects of the pandemic, either through health or loss of a loved one, or even through the separation and disconnection that we've walked through. But I just, in the last year and, the half, year and a half, have been amazed and heartbroken about when we gather together as a staff weekly to pray for the people in our church, how long the list gets of people walking through pain, health, loss of family, loss of jobs. That list sometimes gets really long of our church family walking through trouble. And then when we kind of look at that, we need a new perspective. We need to be reminded of a God who can take brokenness and bring life. If anything, though, this last year has showed us how we need to be careful to guard our eyes, guard our hearts, and to guard our mouths. Because these moments of trial aren't meant to turn us to ridley instruments, but to God. What I think we walked through is an opportunity for the church to have revival in our country. But we might miss it arguing about it on social media or staying glued to all the bad news on our television. And what God may be saying to us, at least at least to me, is that I need to stop worrying about what everyone is saying about everything that's going on on social media, put my phone away, stop listening to the talking heads on the news, no matter what channel you're watching, and get on my knees and ask God right here, right now, to change me to give me new life, to give me revival, to say, I need a new perspective. I'm not worried about what's happening in Washington, D.C. or happening across our country. I'm worried about what's happening in my life and in my circle, who I'm called to love, who I'm called to share to. Because we move from a new perspective in the valley to what I think is the most, one of the more powerful truths is a renewed passion for God. See, this is a, this is a text also about revival where we have a breath of fresh air from the Spirit, a renewal in our heart. Maybe you're feeling a little burnt out. This is what the text is talking about. I don't know if you've, maybe feeling a little left empty and dead. I've been there. I've been burnt out before. I... When I was a young pastor, and I hope most of you in the room would say, well, you're still a young one. I thank you for that. I, I put those words in your mouth, but thank you. But when I was also, when I was young, I felt like I had to carry the weight of the world, or at least my corner of it on my shoulders. And I was doing a lot. I was keeping a lot of things moving. And I had lost my perspective on who's the actual one that does the moving. Who's the actual one who controls the breath? 
And I was just done, burnt out, dry. And I'll tell you what I had to do. I was, living, I'm, I was still living in St. Louis at the time, but I had to go two hours south to my home where I grew up, to my home church, and walk out onto the property where I remember when I was a young man, there was this big rock. And I know this sounds crazy. that I, This is what I had to do. I could have done this anywhere in my own house. But there was something about going out to this rock where I remember I would do a lot of my quiet times. There was something about being there I needed to, to do. And I got there at that knee and I lay on that rock and I got on my knees and I laid out my Bible and I spent time in the Word and I spent time in prayer and I just cried out to God. God, I, I feel like I'm doing everything. No one else is doing anything. I was dry. I was broken. And he said, let me remind you who I am. Let me remind you what I've done in your life, young man. How you, I've taken you from a small town and used you. Let me remind you that I'm the one who controls all these things you think you've got spinning going on. And without me, you're nothing. And without me, you're still dead. That's what I needed. I need, my memory needed jogged of who God is and what he's done. I love the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes 33 verses without giving a single command. It takes him 33 verses. And then he finally gives us an imperative, and it's remember. Remember, in Ephesians 2, 11 through 12, he says, remember that at one time you were Gentiles by the flesh. You were, you, were, you were dirt. Verse 12, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. Remember at one time, God was not even your God. At one time, he wasn't for you. He was against you. You were without hope. But remember God did not leave you that way. Remember, he has given us new life. This is what he's doing. You see, we're leading up to Resurrection Sunday, and all the power of the resurrection is given to us in his spirit. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us because we have his breath, we have his spirit inside of us. And that's the same power that took a man who was in the tomb for three days and brought him out alive. It was the same power that took a bunch of dry bones and raised them up. And this is what revival is. That sometimes we need it because the result of sin in our life and we need to lay it down and repent and walk out with new life. But sometimes it's a, because we've grown weary. Weary of the burden of obeying without the right motivation. Weary of focusing on others instead of what God is doing in our life. Weary of our circumstances and our troubles and our pains. And we need to be reminded of a God who is life-giving. It doesn't end there, though. You see, he raises before him an army. I never served in the army, but I have a feeling that the commander would never call his unit together to stand before him just so he can say, how you guys doing? Let's talk for a little bit. Or throw a party. Why don't we just shoot the breeze? Got some Cokes. We can hang out. 
Like that, that doesn't happen. Maybe it does. It seems, would seem foolish if it did, but I don't think you call an army together just to hang out and to talk about things. You call them together to give them their marching orders for a mission. You see, we need to have a restored focus on the mission. This army is now called, and armies don't just hang out with each other. They're not raised up just to stand. They are empowered, and they're called to action. And if you have been made alive in Christ, you have been enlisted in his army, whether you realize it or not. There's no disconnect from God breathing life and God launching us into mission. They are the one and the same. This is what Jesus does. He calls us to new life, and he says, go and make disciples. He says in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. This is I have sent, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. God always brought life, brought life, and immediately empowers for mission. And this is what's happening now. We don't sit back and wait. We don't sit back and wait for all the answers. Now, in through us today, the tomb is empty, death is defeated, and we are called to share what he's done in us. As I'm convinced that when you get revival and you get a breath of fresh air, you will immediately sign up for his mission. I'm also convinced that when you're out sharing, it's really hard to fall back because you're seeing God changing lives all around you. This is what he's called us to do because you won't be satisfied living for yourself because you've been brought up for a greater purpose. But I got to ask you this morning, are you in need of some revival? Are you in need of life this morning? Maybe you're feeling burnt out. Your heart is empty, dead, dry. Maybe it's someone's criticized you and it just sapped the life out of you. Maybe you have felt really disconnected because of this whole social distancing thing. And your heart's just longing for connection. Maybe there's some sin that's creeped in and it's separating you and you're, you feel dead. Or maybe you're just weary because this has been a long year of trouble. Or weary because you've been doing what God's called you to do, but it's just been hard and you're kind of burnt out. And you need a new work. Call out. Obey the word. Call for the spirit to fall and to breathe new life in you. Let's call for the glory of God and the spirit to fall on your life. This is the power of the resurrection. Easter tells us what was told was impossible becomes a reality. Easter wasn't supposed to be a once-in-a-year holiday, but an every-week reality that we can call on the same power 
that brought Jesus from the tomb, if you are a follower of Christ, lives inside of you. Never get over that. The same power, the same power that can bring a dead man and give life to him and let him walk out as the Son of God in triumph and victory is yours. Don't believe me? It's, it's in the Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. You have resurrection power. It's in you. You just need to be reminded of it. You need to call out to it to give you a breath of fresh air. I don't know for you what your experience was of being having the wind knocked out of you. You've probably we've probably all experienced that at some point in our life. But do you remember the first time it happened? Because if you were like me, it was pretty dramatic. Like it's so then no one had told me that this was a possibility. I was downstairs as a little boy wrestling with my best buddy, my best friend. And as we got rough like we always did and probably got angry at some point, and he popped me right here. And it knocked the wind out of me. Then never knew that this could happen. But I knew in my little brain that you, if you can't breathe, you die. And so I immediately ran upstairs crying. I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. Now the fact that I could run upstairs screaming, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, probably meant I wasn't dying. But that didn't make sense to a six-year-old mind. Here's what I'm afraid has happened to a lot of us. Life has knocked the wind out of us. And we need to cry out to the Spirit who gives us breath for new life. I'm going to ask David to come. And I just, as he does, I want to ask you, do you feel like Ezekiel standing in the valley of dry bones looking around at your life? Maybe it's because of sin. Then you need to repent and let God give what only he can do when he gives forgiveness. But maybe it's the weariness and the burden and the struggles of life and you just need revival. I think revival can be held back from, because of sin. I abs- that absolutely will hold back revival. And for some of us this morning, we need to give it up and walk away from it. But revival can also happen when we need reminded. These mortal brains need reminded, not in what's before us, But what is unseen is more real than what is seen, we're told in Hebrews. And we need to be reminded that the same God that opened the Red Sea 
The same God that raised dry bones into armies. The same God that just spoke a name, Lazarus. And the dead rose. And the same God that did not allow his son to die in defeat, but in three days rose him from the grave, is the same God that is living inside of you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand and bow your heads, maybe even close your eyes. I think that sometimes that just helps us just focus about what's going on inside of us. So if you would, just humor me and just close your eyes for just a moment. And just ask yourself, Am I living in the valley of dry bones? Maybe it's for all different, it could be for any reason that's brought you there. But it is a valley of dry bones. Like if you were to be honest with yourself, you're like Ezekiel, and everywhere you look, it's hopelessness, despair. You just feel broken inside, you're struggling. If you would say that's you, I, with no one else looking around, would you just slip your hand up just for a moment? I just want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up. Just hold it there for a moment. There's hands going up all over the room. I know it's, it's hard. Life is, has been a struggle. If that's you, please hear this. God, you were loved by the God of the universe. He died for you. He is in love with who you are. And he wants to restore your heart what is filled with brokenness right now. He wants to breathe a breath of fresh air. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. And call out to that spirit to fill you with new life. The same power that can take a dead man and give him life can give you life right now. He he may not take you out of the valley, but he can give you life in the valley. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced real life, the real life that's found in following Jesus, I would love to speak with you about that. I would love to share with you how you can find real life, eternal life, abundant life. If you're here this morning and you're in need of revival, I just invite you to call out and ask him Ask him to breathe that breath of life in you.